everyone. Welcome back to our podcast, People Are Complicated, produced by Cloverleaf. I'm your host, Kirsten Moorfield. I'm a co-founder here at Cloverleaf. And here on this podcast, we talk about the fact that people are complicated and all those tensions we experience in our relationships at work can be signposts for really great work we can do together and new strengths that we can uncover in ourselves and in other people. So that is what we're going to talk about today with our special guest, Stephanie Licata is in town. So excited to have you here on the podcast. So give us a little background on you, what you do, your role with Cloverleaf, and how basically you got here. Sure. I am a coach, uh, consultant, and organizational development professional. And uh, I um, have been doing that since 2007. And so I work with coaches, I work with organizations, I work with uh, organizations to help train their leaders in coaching, but then also I work with coaches to help them develop and build their practice. And I had the most amazing experience of how I got to know Cloverleaf. I was a cold call. Yes, were you really? We cold called you? I was like a cold, like Tim found me on LinkedIn and I was like a a cold call. Yes, they still work. That was a minute conversation and a week later I was on the phone with Darren and then... That's amazing. (laughs) Oh my gosh, cold calls still work. Okay, so why do you do coaching? What got you to wanting to to help organizations? So when I first did my coaching certification, I was like, oh, this there's so much, you know, that you can do with this. You know, my commitment in life is to create jerk-free work environments. Amen. (laughs) So and then I was like, I got so interested in it, and that's when I went to study organizational psychology, like did a whole career change, and I was like, this is what I want to do. I want to help people enjoy work. Um, not only what they do, but the experience when they get there. Is that like a personal mission statement you have? That is actually my Instagram and on my Instagram it yeah. says, you know, career uh, says coach and consultant say I know my committed to a jerk free work environment. <laughs> Yes, we all want a jerk-free work environment. Okay, so one of the things that um, we're really passionate about here is that there are these circumstances that can happen where maybe we think somebody's a jerk or something about people around you who are complicated and you realize through that process that what you used to think was a negative thing is actually potentially really great for your relationship or for your work. So do you have a story in your life you can share about that? Okay, great. I do. So um, I I also, you know, I use Cloverleaf with teams that I also serve on, um, teams that I work with. Uh, And um, I had a a person on my team who I I did need to unfortunately let go. Mm. Um, And I said to this individual, you know, we might want, you might want to let people know, I want to give you the opportunity to share that news. And he said, no, can you just tell everybody when I'm gone? And I said, are you sure? He said, you know, you've been working here a number of years. People are going to want to acknowledge you for your contribution. He's like, no, he's like, I don't think anybody has anything to say. So like a week before he left, um, this totally by chance, the Slack integration with Cloverleaf popped up uh, a, a prompt about this individual and said, share how this person has contributed to you. And everybody on the team just started sharing in Slack about the contributions of this person. And so I reached back out to him, like, can you see that everybody really does have something they want to express to you? And he was like, I totally, you know, absolutely changed my perspective. I'm like, wow. he said goodbye on our last team meeting. Wow. It was just, to me, it was just like, that was no accident, you know? And I wanted, even though it wasn't a fit, look, sometimes life changes, like yeah. roles change, expectation changes. Uh, and so, um, you know, it really did make a, also help my relationship with him end on a positive note, and his relationship with the organization end on a positive note. So he thought basically like he wasn't very appreciated. He was like, you know, not important to his well, like, colleagues. I didn't make a difference. Yeah, yeah. And mm-hmm. then it turns out 
everyone showered him with love yeah. unexpectedly. Totally. Didn't even know he was leaving. Yeah. 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 Oh, that's so beautiful. That's awesome. That's so cool. Yeah. Okay, so what do you, like, unpack that? What do you think is really behind, like, he had this assumption that, like, he's not appreciated? Yeah, I mean, I think in general we all operate assumptions about ourselves and about other people as well. Yeah. So, and we, uh, the thing is our brain does not interrupt the assumption to say, you are creating an assumption. Our brain recognizes it as truth. Right? Totes. So I'm always right. Yeah, exactly. So like, oh, this is the way I am. This is the way this situation is. This is the way this person is. Right? And then we go around in the world operating with these truths that are kind of like, they might be half true. They might be true in a moment. Like, your assessment of someone in a moment might be accurate, but that's not the full picture of who they are. Right? That is them having this interaction with you mm. um, so I think in general when it comes to in the in the workplace is you know people even who have been working together for long periods of time still have fixed assumptions that they're operating from mm. and the the potential that is there in their collaboration is actually limited and they don't know mm-hmm. and they don't know that they don't know right mm-hmm. so it's all in a blind spot do you think that these are assumptions about ourselves or about our colleagues or both I think it's both okay um, I think it's both I think the ones about other people, I think, are easier to believe because they they somewhat get fixed. Mm-hmm. The ones about ourselves, they might be fixed, but we, you know, we are we can be self-reflective, so we might be, you know, willing to learn. Or someone comes and you know interrupts our assumption, and oh, now I do feel recognized, or I do feel appreciated. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's harder to break the ones about about other people because you don't live with them. You don't see yeah, yeah. you know the truth of them. What do you think? happens because we have these assumptions I think again I think the potential of the relationships are limited Mm. Um, I think the potential within our own selves becomes limited and we just there's just all this untapped like brilliance that's not getting Mm. unleashed can you share some examples of assumptions people have about other people Um, so people will have assumptions about why people did what they did right so Let's say you have, you know, someone's working on a project and someone steps in to do something um, that might have been your responsibility. Mm-hmm. So you assume that this person's trying to one-up me, this person's trying to step on my toes. Yeah. And maybe it really was there was a client need in a meeting that you weren't at and the person did that to meet the client's need. It was mm-hmm. all about the client. Mm-hmm. But you have made the assumption that they are now undermining you. Oh, yeah. Right? And so we make, we make up things about why people take the actions that we do. They it gets do. personal. We make it personal when it's not. And that, that limits our ability to actually see what could have really been going right. on. Right. And we waste time and energy, right? Oh, that my gosh. Whole, so much energy. That whole movie that we created, oh. right? Yes, the movie we created in <laughs> yeah, our head yeah. of their intention, and yeah, and it's so real to us. Like we're, we'll like we'll vent to people and can try to convince them this is the way it is, and yeah. that word "is" in our minds is what like cements that that truth. Uh huh. So an assumption that we can have about other people is that like they're stepping on our toes. Uh, what other assumptions might we help our listeners think about what they could relate to? Um, I think we also make assumptions about how people feel about us, mm. right? And sometimes people have certain mannerisms. Or, mm-hmm. Like, there are some people that are very direct and are very blunt. Yeah. And we say they don't like me. Yeah. Right? Or yeah. we don't get along, right? Mm-hmm. We interpret other people's mannerisms, behaviors, as something that is again directed toward toward us. Yes. So it's it's the assumptions about the action, and then the assumptions about the feeling also towards yep. who we are. Yep. Um, 
if we are so lucky to recognize that we're operating out of an assumption, what do you coach people to do? Well, I coach people to, even if they've known people a long time, to challenge the assumption based upon something that's been wanting to happen, right? So mm-hmm. if, if there's a place in the work relationship or a place in the team development that like is something stalled or stuck, mm-hmm. it's like getting them to the other side of that by helping them see what would be possible if there was this breakthrough in that assumption. So is that after they've realized their assumption? It might be in helping them to reframe, right? So yeah. in coaching, we talk about reframing and helping yeah. people say, well, what's another possible interpretation yeah. that you, that there could be about this situation? So like somebody will come and tell you a scenario, yes. and they'll be like, and this person just doesn't like me. Right. And you'll say, well, interesting. What's another way that right. you could frame that situation? Yeah, and it's like, oh, I know that person's like going through a divorce or has a parent in the hospital. Like, Oh, they may have just been having a bad day. You know, it's like, yeah. there's like, like there is a world that this person is operating in. Like yeah. most people do not think about us yeah. as much as we think they do. Yeah, so. that's so interesting. I was just talking to somebody who was having a really like petty work situation that she felt victim to. Other people just talking, and she was like, "And this is why I don't like working with women." And I was like, "What?" It's like a whole wait a second. you're a woman I'm a woman like I work with women and we don't have that problem you know but yeah that is interesting to think about like I could have said in that situation well what do you think is another way you could frame that situation okay now talk to me about self-talk like what if we what if we're stuck on an assumption that we have about ourselves so unfortunately just as humans um, sometimes the self-talk isn't actually our own so Mm. our caregivers have said things to us as children And we do not realize, and there are actually specific, like, mental health professionals who actually help you untangle, like, the parent voice and your voice, right? Wow. And so we don't realize that the the recording in our head is actually not even us. And we don't recognize that till like, we're adults. Like, I found out, I'm like, oh, that's, like, not even me, right? Like, as I got older, like... Like, you didn't even really think that about yourself, but you just thought it... Exactly. Yeah. So, unfortunately, that collapsing happens early in life, Um, Mm -hmm. and so sometimes, not necessarily single person um so sometimes the self-talk is like the overcritical parent right who we had mm-hmm. um sometimes it, the self-talk is you know what we observe the interactions we observed between parents or between family members mm-hmm. and we said oh that's the way to that's the way to deal with things or that's the way to get people to do things right so we can observe the behavior or we can hear the language towards us mm-hmm. um and then we just we operate with those assumptions and until you are introduced to a different way of experiencing life, um, whether it's through language or experience, or you go to a different environment. Like let's say, you know, let's say you grew up in a toxic environment, and then you get go to work and you work in this like really healthy environment, mm-hmm. and then you're like, oh, this is the way it should be. Mm-hmm. Like, or you know, you, ex- you you meet other people who had different experiences, and you're mm-hmm. like, oh, there are other ways in the way I grew up or the way I developed my worldview, right? Mm-hmm. So, and it's just we have a sliver mm-hmm. of like what the reality is, and we don't realize that. Yeah, that's so fascinating. So I, as a parent, I'm, I'm like paranoid about this because I know that you can either over coddle or like right. over stress your yes. child. And you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to fail. Like but <laughs> I'm a step parent, so I automatically fail. Right? So it doesn't matter what I say because the students are all stories. So. Yes, yes. Oh my gosh. But okay, so so we all did receive messages for better or for worse right. as children. How do we like 
catch the tape that's playing in our head that's not helping us. You recognize what the impact is of keeping it. Right. Mm -hmm. So when we are overly critical and then we experience anxiety, stress, lack of professional fulfillment, lack of relationship fulfillment, you, you start to recognize the impact and the patterns, mm -hmm. right? Like I was a person who was very professionally successful early in life, but like couldn't figure out the relationship thing, right? Mm -hmm. Like that happened later in life. There were mm -hmm. other people who like figured it out at 25, but like we're floundering for 15 years with their career, right? So mm -hmm. our different parts of our lives have are, are at the impact of these assumptions and mm -hmm. we have to sort of acknowledge the impact and acknowledge that there is some other way of existing that we don't know yet. Mm -hmm. So would you say like if you're noticing there's something in your life, like you notice the symptom of like I'm stressed or I'm anxious or my relationships are failing, like right. whatever it is, you notice a symptom you don't like and then what then you like do some self-reflection of like what is what is the track i'm playing in my head well at some point it becomes not tolerable right yeah so we tolerate until we don't yeah right yeah, so yeah. at some point we're like i've had enough yeah right? i'm attracting the same person over and over again i'm attracting the same workplace over and over again that yeah. happens too it's not or i'm creating the same yeah. work, work like, situation why do i feel like i keep working for narcissistic bosses like mm -hmm. what is that right like, yeah it's like whatever it is and I, I do a lot of career coaching so i've worked with a lot of people who don't even realize their yeah. patterns that they've attracted professionally yeah. right yeah uh, and so um you know once we start to recognize those patterns and recognize that they're not random Mm -hmm. then we can recognize the other possible choices that we can make and what's possible mm -hmm. on the other side of those choices. And then you just got to do it. You have to like take chances. You have to You make this sound change. easy. It's not. It's terrifying. <laughs> Believe me, I've done it several times in fetal position. It's completely terrifying. <laughs> it's totally terrifying. And I I'm not going to lie to you, but you know, we also, as human beings, we underestimate our strengths all the time. Yeah. Like, we really have no idea what we are truly capable of and yeah. how much strength is in us. And we, we have to challenge that. When we challenge that assumption of ourselves, it also opens up compassion and empathy to, cha to challenge the assumptions to see other people in a nicer light as well. I want to bring us back to something you said earlier. You said that when we have these assumptions, we're also missing out on a lot of potential. Yes. And hidden mm -hmm. talents, I think you yes. said, yeah, hidden absolutely. strengths. So talk, unpack that some more. So, I mean, especially in a workplace, like when you are, again, operating, and, and when we're in a workplace, remember, we're seeing a sliver of people, right? Right. They may be, you know, we may be working with them for eight hours in the same building, but we may only see them for an hour. Or mm -hmm. if we're working virtually, we maybe only see them for 90 minutes on Zoom, right? So we have this very sort of fractional experience of people. Um, and so one, one, sometimes we don't realize what people can actually offer us in collaboration mm -hmm. because we cut ourselves off to that potential and to discovering more about that person. And often what some of that discovery leads to in a professional setting is hidden talent. Um, like there are things that I know how to do that had nothing to do with what I was trained to do. Mm -hmm. But unless I was really involved in an exchange with people where they were curious and wanted to discover that, they wouldn't know. Mm -hmm. I could also, I could tap into you for that, right? Mm -hmm. So you start to find out, you start to become more resourceful mm -hmm. as you challenge the assumptions because you see that you can connect with people and, and find out other ways that they might be able to collaborate with you. Yeah. You know what? I have noticed that one of the ways to realize some of those hidden talents is in the tension points. Mm -hmm. Like, if I feel really criticized by somebody, that might be my assumption, right? Is they're criticizing me. But if I can reframe it, I can say, oh, maybe they're just actually a really good critical thinker, and I should go to them to help me mm -hmm. strengthen my idea or, like, 
spell check my right. work or whatever it is right. that I need like some critical thought put into, mm-hmm. right? Um, and, and I think that that's something that we miss a lot because we have those assumptions. Right. It's like we self-protect and so mm-hmm. we start to judge other people's character. Like they are critical, right? right? Instead of they have this strength called critical thinking. Have you seen that play out in your work? Yeah, I mean, we, I've, I try to help people realize that you don't learn as much from the easier relationships. They may mm-hmm. feel better in times of need or comfort, but mm-hmm. where we really learn is in our difficult relationships. Mm-hmm. Um, it's where we learn about ourselves, it's where we learn about how to interact with different types of people, and you know, we get born into a family, and then we get hired into a workplace. And so we have these two main groups in our lives who we don't necessarily have control over. Mm-hmm. So we are forced to then make some kind of decision about how we're going to operate and survive. Mm-hmm. And so whether when you're growing up, you decide, okay, this is what I need to do to survive in this house. Mm-hmm. right? And then you do the same thing at work. This is what I need to do to survive here and this workplace. And the idea is that like we want people to, to thrive, not just survive, right? Amen. And that we want people to experience like the full human experience, which is ugly and messy and exciting and perfectly imperfect, yes. right? And to embrace that, you have to be able to regularly challenge the assumptions that you have for yourself, and that will and that will inspire you to challenge the assumptions you have for other people. It, 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 it's fun to talk about it, and in my head, I'm also like, man, this is the hard work. It's so hard. This is the it's hard so work. Hard. Look, it's, it's like, it is emotional. Look, it's making me, like, I'm getting like emotional, right? Yes. Yeah. Nobody walks around being like, I'm going to be vulnerable and really in, in touch with myself every day, all day yeah. long. We don't, that's not like, we're like, oh my God, I have so much to do. My email boxes is right. exploding. Right. Like, we don't walk around with this sort of call to awareness. Mm. just don't walk around with it. It's not an automatic. I mean, some people are, and they're usually like meditation specialists or something like that, right. you know, but right. that's their practice. That's what they teach. But um, it's very, it's a very hard, it, it, and it's all learned through repetitive practice, right? So the practice of starting your day with, you know, gratitude. I know it's been totally overdone, the gratitude thing, but it's real and it works, Yeah. right? So like starting, you know, starting your day by doing some self-coaching, like who, you know, who do I want to show up as today? You know, I know mm. it sounds like a little bit like, it's just, but it's a simple question that we can ask ourselves. Like, and that takes three minutes, yeah, 30 seconds so even. Yeah. It's so quick. Um, one of my favorite books is The Slight Edge by Jeff Olson. And it's all about how success is just the combination of repetitive small mundane acts. It's yeah. like not this overnight thing that happens. Totally. It's like, and you look at, and obviously, if you think about it, like working out, right? Nobody works out for seven hours and lifts weights. They work no. out for 30 minute clips. And the yeah. repetitiveness of that over months will build totally. muscle. Right? Totally. So, Yes, it takes those small practices and and to to call us to awareness. It's not like oh, one day I'm going to be a person who doesn't assume. No, it's not going to happen. Yeah, <laughs> we're all going to. By the way, it's all built into the human experience, and that's part of that fight or flight. Right, we are trying to protect ourselves. Right, mm-hmm. we are saying, is this situation dangerous? We need judgment. Mm-hmm. We can't get rid of all judgment. We just have to challenge the judgments that are preventing us from living fully. Okay, so here's if I'm going to summarize what I've heard you say so far today, it is that. When you recognize situations that are not enjoyable, that you're not living fully, right? Yeah. Like you're thinking, oh my gosh, this person has criticized me or um, this per- nobody here likes me or whatever. You're, you're thinking a negative thing and you believe it. Yeah. Like you're, it's, it's not you're even... you're causing yourself suffering. Yes, right. And so when you recognize a moment of suffering, not living fully, 
you can ask yourself, wait a second, how might I actually reframe this? I am believing in this moment that this person is disappointed in me. Is it possible that there's some other way to look at this? Think about how you might reframe it. And then through that, you're going to start to notice, oh, maybe this person is just really good at critical thinking. Or maybe this person is actually going through a divorce or something really difficult in their personal life. And through that, you can, one, build stronger, more human relationships. Because at the end of the day, we're all human, right? And you can start to uncover hidden talent inside of Mm -hmm. people through that process. And you're slowly, slowly, through micro steps, changing your belief set over time. And that is what ultimately is going to change your outcome. So you're not living those suffering situations anymore, which sometimes are just the movies in our head. And you're living more fully. Would you say that's how you create a jerk-free work environment? (laughs) Do you create a jerk-free work environment by firing all the jerks or by, how do you do it? Well, well, there's one more thing I want to add, a bonus question you need to add on to that. Okay. You need to ask yourself, when that thing is happening, what is this reminding me of? Because we're often responding to a similar feeling, Mm. right? So, oh, this reminds me of my older sister who always criticized me and Mm. I always felt inferior to. Mm. So, what is this? Oh, that's deep. You're going to have to really dig into that. It's like, what is this reminding me of, right? Mm -hmm. Because often it's just, it's triggering an old wound for us, right? Mm -hmm. Um, So, I'm going to go back to your question. So, do you fire all the jerks? Well, first of all, you don't hire the jerks. (laughs) Um, And how how don't you hire the jerks? Is that you don't hire people because you like them. Um, You hire people because their work style is compatible with the culture in your organization. And so part of that is by having a little bit of a dance in the hiring process and giving people tasks to do Mm -hmm. um, to really see how they work and how they respond. Mm -hmm. Um, And so now there's no like jerk scanner like at the airport or anything like that. Um, So sometimes a person's a good actor and then Mm -hmm. they turn out to be a jerk. Um, So you try as much as possible in the hiring process to have filters for behaviors that are not a match for your culture. Um, But you also have to have an ongoing feedback process within Mm -hmm. your organization so that um, there's not like everyone's not holding on about the feedback about the toxic person and walking around afraid of them. Right. So um, there has to be that feedback process built in and that sort of coach approach built in Mm -hmm. where you committed to developing people. And, you know, this is the other thing. Sometimes firing someone is what they actually need to transform their lives. Mm. Like, they need that wake-up call. And look, they're either going to learn the lesson at your organization or they're going to go and repeat the same thing until they learn it. And sometimes mm. you're giving them a gift mm. by saying, "This, there's no tolerance for this behavior in this workplace. Mm-hmm. And you need to know that. And you do great work. And this behavior is not a match for who we are. Mm-hmm. Um, and so sometimes you have to give people that gift because people need to sometimes hit bottom with that. Yeah, feedback. Hard feedback done with actually caring for that person can sometimes be the best thing. Exactly. Well, you took that in a totally different direction than I was thinking. I was thinking like, no, that's great. Because I think that there is something to, sometimes we have assumptions of people that are incorrect and negative. And sometimes some people are unhealthy. Yes, they are actually toxic people. Totally. Yeah. So so I would say there's probably two ways that you would help people become a jerk-free workplace. One is actually like there are some bad actors. Yes. And don't hire them. But if you happen to have hired them, have the conversations with all of your people right. so that you can surface who those right. folks are. 
and then have the conversation with the jerk, which could right. be you need to change, or it could be this just isn't working right. out, right? Yeah, of course you want look. You want to try to help people develop. Yeah. If they're not responsive to that development, and the decision is to ultimately sever that work relationship based upon all of your HR policies and procedures, yes. Um, then <laughs> spoken like a truth insultant. <laughs> yes. yes. Um, then you know that that separation is necessary. Yeah. Right. And yeah. so um, if if it's possible, look again. People are either going to learn the lesson now, mm-hmm. or they're going to be forced to learn it later. If yeah. They choose to learn a lesson with you and your organization. Awesome. I've seen people turn around. Mm-hmm. Um, I've coached people who I who've organ, who like CEOs have said, "Can you help me? This guy is like my best producer, except he pisses everybody off." Yeah. <laughs> right. So I've I've helped people change those behaviors, you know, in the workplace and transform. How Which does that come back to assumptions? It absolutely does. Yeah. 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 So, yeah, I think that there's something there. I'm thinking of, like, Carol Dweck and the growth mindset versus yeah. the fixed mindset, yes. right? Like, mm-hmm. there are some folks who are don't realize that they could or maybe that they should or maybe they realize they're a bad actor, but they just think it's who they are, right? Yeah. Um, and no one's ever explained to them mm. that there is something more to who they are. Isn't that beautiful? Like, actually sometimes telling somebody the really hard thing is so loving. It is. It's really hard. It, it's, mm-hmm. it, it, it's hard, but yes, it is loving. Yeah. Um, I once was coaching an individual who uh, was up for a senior role. And I was, she was so, like, this is, I'm not going to be able to do this. I can't do this. Like, she was so fixed on who she was. Mm-hmm. And I finally just said to her, I'm really sorry I have to share this with you. But, like, I don't see you that way at all. Mm-hmm. And I don't think your team members experience you that way at all. So I'm, I'm going to challenge you here, and I'm going to think that this experience of yourself is coming from somewhere else. And I think you really need to look at it mm-hmm. and see where it is because you this is this role is built for you. Mm-hmm. And she came back a week later in the next session, and she told me the story about how she was in college and she got pregnant, and she decided to keep the baby. And her father at the time said he was really disappointed in her because she was going to be like the first one in the family mm-hmm. to graduate college. And she dropped out to have her daughter. And she then went on to have a professional life mm-hmm. that was successful. And I, I actually said to her, like, I, I'm, I'm, again, I'm maybe overstepping here. Go back and ask your father what he actually thinks of you right now. And she went back and she came back. She goes, he said he doesn't remember saying that. And he said he, like, brags about me all the time, right? And I'm just wow. like, okay, do you see how this assumption... Like, I had to give her this this tough feedback, even if it wasn't a situation where she was not the jerk, right? But she was being a jerk to herself, right? And so I was like, this is just not a current situation. And I'm not a psychologist, right? Mm -hmm. Well, actually, my background is organizational psychology, and my undergrad is in counseling. But (laughs) So you kind of are. (laughs) So my... So, but still, these dynamics, these, I wasn't trying to diagnose her, but I was just challenging, like, where did this come from? And she yeah. told me. I just asked her. She yeah. told me. I was yeah. being a coach. Where does this come from? Yeah. Where is this, yeah. What is going on here? Yeah. You know, and she then got the promotion, right? Yeah. So, again, I wasn't necessarily counseling her. I was asking her the right questions so yeah. she could solve her own problem. You don't always prepare to have those conversations, like... It's just, it's that part of coach's intuition. Yeah. You just know, like, you have, if you ask this next question, you have the power to transform someone's life. And you ask the next question, and you kind of, like, brace, like, I hope they don't get mad at me. Mm-hmm. And, and one of the things I'm thinking about is, you know, when you talk to really businessy people, <laughs> they're like, I mean... I want to spend money on like a better productivity tool or I want to spend money on, you know, and time on like, you know, getting better at this process or getting through my emails faster or whatever it is, right? Like we think of these like hard things of what is productivity, but the stories you've shared so far today are 
zero percent about productivity, but they actually make you so much more productive and so much more effective. And and they make the organization more enjoyable Mm -hmm. and more productive, more valuable. I imagine those people are solving problems so much faster Mm -hmm. with so much better solutions than they were before they realized these assumptions they had about themselves or about other people. Absolutely, absolutely. And, you know, when you invest in people, they mm-hmm. produce for you. Mm-hmm. Um, when you invest in people, you will reap the dividends. They will increase their loyalty to your organization, to their leaders. Um, I was training some leaders to be like coaches in their organization, and part of their training process was to sort of pick somebody in the organization to coach, and they had to do these practice sessions. And we would get feedback from the coaches, mm-hmm. and the person the, the person gave feedback, and they said, "I feel like I got picked mm. to get this gift." Mm. And all they did was get like three coaching sessions mm-hmm. from like their manager, mm-hmm. but to them, they felt like it was an investment. Mm. Like, so the company invested in the train the coach training pro- pro- uh, process. Mm-hmm. The coaches, the managers, did it on the court. And then the person feels like they got something and mm-hmm. they gave more back to the organization. Like mm-hmm. that's the ROI of coaching, mm-hmm. right? That's really how you do that. But we assume that it's about being nice. Mm-hmm. It's not about being nice. Yeah, it's, it's just, about being effective. Yeah, it's yeah. just about it's about making people feel valued and and when you help people again challenge their own assumptions about themselves, when you challenge your assumptions about what's going to drive your people, mm-hmm. right? You're going to get get unprecedented results and it's like we've talked about assumptions with you know individual others there also is assumptions organizationally right that we Mm -hmm. make like you just said this tool is going to make things better yep really if you're a jerk it's not going to make much (laughs) not going to make much a tool does not make your people more engaged more giving of their of their energy and of their their best that they have to offer yeah all right stephanie thank you so much for coming out to Cincinnati and it's so good to get to record this with you in person. If people want to keep learning from you, Stephanie, where do they find you? Oh, um, you can just go to stephanielicata.com S-T-E-P-H-A-N-I-E and then it's L-I-C-A-T-A Apple Thomas Apple. Apple Thomas Apple. One T, not two. Yeah, yes. it's, not some, it's not some grand Italian spelling. It's yeah. L-I-C-A-T-A. That's awesome. All right. Well, thank you so much, Stephanie. Okay. And I hope that this has been helpful for everyone watching. And tune in for the next episode. See ya.